This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Coming to you from three corners of Echo Towers and Paul Gorst's front room. The international break is finally over, but at what cost for Jurgen Klopp's Reds? We'll be discussing the midfield disease, who's available for selection, as well as previewing the visit of Mikel Arteta's upbeat Arsenal. Plus, the team selector and match predictors make a welcome return. To get into all of that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, the O Squires and the the Branfakes boy, Matt Addison, gents, I hope you're all well. And uh, Gorsley, I will come to, to you first up. And well, it feels as though we've just endured the longest two weeks possible, but the pain actually is only just starting for Liverpool, isn't it? It does actually, doesn't it? I mean, international breaks are always interminable and never ending and seem to drag on and on. And the weirdest thing about it is I was off for a week, so I only had to get through this week and it still seems to be Dragging on, but yeah, we are back um, tomorrow. Arsenal come to Anfield. Um, it'll be an interesting one, I think, because Liverpool in recent years have had it quite easy against Arsenal, haven't they? Um, seem to score quite a lot of goals and almost the perfect opponents because Arsenal don't really change too much to accommodate for Liverpool's style and Liverpool tend to steamroller them. But I think it might be a little bit different tomorrow. Arsenal probably coming to Anfield in the best kind of um, atmosphere around the club. Certainly during Mikel Arteta's time, maybe since he won the FA Cup. Um, you'll know a little bit more about that than I will, Guy, but there just seems to be something happening at the moment with Smith Rowe and Saka and loads of young, talented players who they can look to kind of build step-by-step step with. So it's going to be a, an interesting one and um, it's certainly not going to be as, as easy as it was last year when Liverpool barely got out of first gear and still beat them as a 3-1 quite comfortably. Um, but yeah, as you say about the international break, um, seems to be more injuries than I initially thought. It was only before when Klopp got asked about it in the press conference and he started reeling off the names that I realised that actually Liverpool do have something of an injury crisis. You know, obviously no Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Naby Keita, James Milner, Henderson and Robertson are touch and go. Sadio Mane seems like he's going to be okay, but um, I'm struggling to remember last time Liverpool didn't have a you know a litany of injuries, and I'm not sure what other teams across the Premier League are like, but Liverpool just seem to be stuck in this perma crisis of injuries upon injuries, and um, hopefully people start coming back because I think between now and January the second, when Liverpool play Chelsea, they've got 13 games, which is incredible, really, when you think we're nearly at the end of November. So it's going to be uh, all hands on deck. Yeah, Theo, coming to, to, to you next. In terms of where Jurgen Klopp's squad is at the moment, as, as Gorsi said there, until you kind of actually look through name by name and then the positions, it is actually remarkable just how bad this injury crisis has become. Yeah, it is. Um, I think before Harvey Elliott got injured, we were looking at the stage of we might be able to write the Liverpool have a full available squad to um for the first time since like the Champions League final. And then Elliott's injury sort of triggered it off for everyone else. And it's just been this ever-growing list. Um, they have got more injuries than anyone else in the Premier League. 
I think it's 10 at the moment and there are a couple of let-offs in there, like the fact that we're expecting Sadio Mane to be back this weekend. Uh, Divock Origi wasn't really reported as an injury, came off with a, a dead leg in midweek and we've seen him training. It looks like he's going to be fine. Um, and from Klopp's comments today, you'd imagine they're not as hopeful on Henderson as Robertson as they were 24 hours ago. You know, what managers like this could just be a mind game, not wanting to give the game away against Arsenal. And Liverpool always keep cards close to their chest anyway. But like last season, all the injuries seemed to be in defence. Um, even when they were putting midfielders in defence, it was the makeshift defenders picking up the injuries. And now it's midfield. Like the most telling thing is Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is the only senior midfielder not to have an injury this season. And he still missed the game because his missus was giving birth. So he was on paternity leave or whatever the footballer equivalent is. Um, knowing his injury record, it's like, can you expect him to just be this ever present midfielder for the rest of the season? You wouldn't bank on it. And then so we know what the injury records of all these players are. Like Fabinho, he always seems to get the odd one, which will keep him out for a few weeks in a season. And it's not talked about the same much as, say, an Abicator or even a Jordan Henderson. But when you know you've got the Cup of Nations, when more players are going to depart there, including Naby Keita, uh, Liverpool are down to the bare bones. Klopp's addressed that in the press conference today. He's saying, we can't think about letting anyone go. Like when he was asked about Nico Williams' future after comments from Rob Page in the week, they need all the bodies, bodies they can get. And it's just about getting them into a good team and getting it to work. They've been lucky so far that when the midfielders' injuries have piled up, they've still had three available. When the forwards have been out, it's sort of company it's only been one at a time they've not had them all at once but the fact that Liverpool were hoping that they'd get some bodies back after the international break that they'd be able to welcome back a Milner or Cater even a Curtis Jones and then they've got to this week now and it's like nope they're not ready they're not ready Jones is going to be out for a while it's like it's going to be a struggle for a few weeks so glad that they've got these two dead robbers in the Champions League where they can just put in Tyler Morton give him a proper chance to find his feet and then because they might need to turn to him over the festive period in the Premier League you never know um, but they've balanced it well so far it's probably played its part in them drawing with Brighton losing to West Ham um, but they, they need to find a way to get some rhythm back even with all these chop, chopping and changing yeah, definitely. Matt, I tried to tried to rip into you in the intro there, calling you the brand flakes boy, but even now I still can't get my teeth in. I suppose for the, the, the transfer-hungry Twitterati, it's probably a case of told you so with Gini Wijnaldum not being replaced in the summer and looking at a number of those midfield options. As Theo says there, there, there are kind of questions over the fitness and availability of a number of them, even when they are fit. And it's all sort of come home to roost at one time, as it did at centre-half, as Jurgen Klopp kind of referenced in his pre-match press conference that now it's a disease, as he calls it, in the midfield. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you mentioned there, don't you, the fact that, you know, the, there are sort of corners of, of Twitter who would have, have said that all along. And I would tend to agree with them, to be honest. I think, you know, it's it's something that we said all summer. Liverpool probably needed one more, not just, you know, in terms of, of the volume of players. I, th I don't think that is is the worst thing. But it was wholly predictable that at some point Naby Keita would get injured. At some point, Fabinho would probably miss a month because, you know, he has done in, in previous seasons. I don't think that's an unfair criticism to, to level at, at what Liverpool did in the summer. I don't think it's a huge surprise. Of course, Liverpool would argue that it's it's pretty unlucky. It's it's not quite the same situation of what they had with the centre-backs last season, but it is similar in that all of these injuries have come in the same place at the same time, which, you know, 
you can't you can't predict the the timing of those things. But I do think it, it was always a gamble. I think it, it it still is a risk at this point in time to to not have brought one player more in, or, or not even necessarily to have added, but maybe to have moved on one or two of those players that you can't rely on and, and replace them with someone who is a bit more consistently available. So. Yeah, I mean, I would agree it was always a risk. It still is a risk. The full extent, though, of, of how much that gamble has, has paid off or not, we'll only know next summer. We'll only know at the end of, of this season. Possibly Liverpool might have an eye on, on one or two that they want to do next summer, and they could only do that next summer rather than this. But yeah, until then, it's it's a conversation that's just going to keep returning because obviously Harvey Elliott is out. You can't predict that, but maybe some of the others you could predict. And I think, you know, if Liverpool don't win something this season, that is something that we'll look back on and, and wonder if they did the right thing. But until then, they just have to, to battle through it, see what happens. As Theo says, the fact that they've got a couple of Champions League games to, to rest and, and rotate. Again, not something that you probably would have predicted when the draw was was made, but certainly something that will play into their hands massively at, at this point in the season. And, you know, something like that, the, the injuries, I think, obviously will come on to, to Arsenal. Uh, for me, a, a big sort of thing in terms of dictating whether Liverpool can win against Arsenal or, or win comfortably against Arsenal is, is Jordan Henderson fit or not? I think, you know, when we're kind of having those conversations a little bit later down the line, it's it's maybe not ideal. You'd, you'd want one or two more in that position to be available, but they're not. And, and that's kind of what Liverpool have got to deal with. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I suppose Gorsley once is kind of misfortune, twice is a coincidence now in terms of being short in numbers in, in certain areas of the pitch. But it seems sort of with away from kind of the norm of what we expect from Liverpool, certainly with how things have, have been run kind of under Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp's time, is that things aren't really left to chance. Yes, there are, uh, are calculated risks taken, but things aren't left this open to chance. So I suppose looking now at Liverpool's run of fixtures, it was kind of looked at off the back of this international break, may well have been a chance to go on a bit of a run ahead of the African Cup of Nations and players going away for, for that. Is it actually now more a case of make do and, and get through to the window and then see A, who's fit and B, if replacements are going to be needed? Yeah, well, they haven't really got much of a choice, have they? Um I mean, if you look at it at the start of the season when everyone's had a, pretty much a full pre-season and the numbers are there, I, I was saying that midfield wasn't as much of a necessity as up front. And I still think Liverpool need another option up front. Um, I'm not convinced by Minamino, Minamino and Origi's ability to um, fill in for any kind of particular length of time, okay, they might be able to come in and do the odd job in the, in the Carabao Cup and, and we've seen Origi start in the Champions League against AC Milan and you'd expect them to, to be playing against Porto and Milan and against Leicester in this run to give the likes of Salah and Mane a bit of a breather but if Egypt plays Senegal in the final of the African Cup of Nations on February the 6th, is it? Um, the people are going to be without their two best attackers or two most potent goal scorers for what six weeks minimum. Um, so I still think if there is an area that they're going to be looking at, it's it's going to have to be up front for me. And I know the numbers are a bit light at the moment in midfield, but all it might need is a couple of weeks. And you've got a mill on the back. You've got 
maybe a Jones back. His injury seems to be a little bit of a freak one from um, people who you're speaking to. And was it uh, Dr. Jim Moxon was saying this week that it's just a bit of a rare thing that's happened to him with, with an eye injury? But um, yeah, I still think if Liverpool are to do any business in, in January and, and I had the choice, I'd be picking another attacker ahead of another midfielder because Harvey Elliott seems to be progressing quite well. I don't think he's going to be out for the full season. Possibly might see him at some stage in the new year. Um, Naby Keita's got another Naby Keita injury. When's he going to be back? We'll see. Milner, from what Klopp was saying today, doesn't sound like he's a million miles away. And then obviously Fabinho, there's no real kind of worry over him. It's just the fact that he had to fly back from Brazil. Haven't played the full game, I think, against Argentina on Tuesday night. Um, and that, that's obviously the biggest game in South America, isn't it? So that is pretty much a, a derby of South America, if you like the Super Classical, I think they call it. So it it's not ideal, but I don't think it's a huge concern in terms of the length of time the player is going to be out injured for, as Theo mentioned there, Oxley chamberlains fit. Henderson might well be past fit. Uh, Thiago is okay. And then we'll, we'll just have to see how, how everyone else comes along. Kind of some leap, though, isn't it, from even pre-season, beginning of the season, Theo? If, as Gorsty was mentioning there, that Harvey Elliott is kind of maybe deemed as the guy who's going to be back fit in time to help save Liverpool. He's going to be coming back from a very serious injury and he is still only 18 years of age. I mean, not many other clubs in the Premier League, let alone those looking to battle for the title, find themselves in that position. No, they don't. Um, Harvey Elliott, he was this next stage of Liverpool going forward. Like we've heard them, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, I've mentioned this on podcasts before, talking about how Liverpool wanted the right side of the midfielder to push further forward. And Elliott was made for that role. He fitted in perfectly. And it was only four or five games, but we saw him linking up well with Salah. We saw him linking up well with Trent. And then he fell out, um, got his injury, and he's not in the team. And it's just seeing who fits into that role in his absence. And that's maybe where they've come unstuck a bit because players can't do it as well as him. Because they don't have anyone who's cutting in. Like Oxlade-Chamberlain didn't look as comfortable. Thiago doesn't look as comfortable. Henderson doesn't look as comfortable more offensively. And it's like, well, Cater does, but you can't rely on him to stay fit. And it's like, well, what is the feeling with Harvey Elliott here? Because when Liverpool said he was injured, he would be back before the end of the season. They didn't want to put a time scale on it, which is fair enough. We spoke to physios ourselves and they were talking like March, April time. But now he's back on the grass and you're thinking, well, how long does it take to build the strength on here? Could we be seeing him in January, in February? Because if he is ahead in his progress, he could be a big boost if he can come back for some of the winter period and especially with the Cup of Nations. But then you don't want to rush him again because it's a delicate injury. And if he gets another setback, that's another body down for however many months. Um, I think it's one where fans maybe forgotten him almost because he only played a handful of games and forgot it probably was first choice on merit. It wasn't just a case of everyone was injured at the time. He was getting in the squad ahead of the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain or even James Milner players like this. And it would have been the same, I think, when others came back. It was just getting them all to fit in together. And but you shouldn't be worried about putting this focus or attention or its importance on an 18-year-old because he's good enough. The issue is coming back from injury. Like you don't want to put the pressure on him 
relying on him when he's got that to come back from. But when he's fit and firing again, I think he's proven, even in the snippets we've seen so far, that he's good enough for this Liverpool starting eleven. Whether he can keep it up for half a season, a full season, we don't know. It's too early today. But in a few years, he will be one of the first names in this Liverpool team sheet. And it's about giving him those opportunities. It's like, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I know it's the old cliche, but you look at um, like Mason Mount, he was young getting games at Chelsea. Phil Foden, young getting games at Manchester City. Elliot's a bit younger, but he was supposed to be this sensational midfield talent. If he lives up to his potential, he's going to be one of the best around. Um, yeah, Liverpool might be relying on him a bit too much, but when he comes back, it's going to be that dreaded, like a new signing, isn't it? And it's an exciting player to watch. I'm sure we've all seen it in the little glimpses we've seen with so far. He's a player you like to watch because he makes things happen. And this is if Harvey Elliott at 18, when he'd only had a couple of substitute appearances in the Premier League before. If he can keep up his standards when he's back, find his form in the last couple of months of the season, it's going to be another exciting time to see what he can do going forward. Yeah, not not quite so sure. I kind of agree, obviously. Mount went on loan in, in Holland and then the championship and made his way into Chelsea eventually. Foden very slow to get kind of seeped into the Man City team. I, I don't know about you, Matt, but to me, it kind of sits a bit uneasy of how much pressure there would then be on Harvey Elliott. But what other options, I suppose, do Liverpool have? They box themselves into a corner here. Yeah, I think that the way I'd look at it is to sort of say how much Liverpool have, have missed him says a lot about the, the quality and the trust that they have in him. It's it's not just obviously in midfield. He could potentially be another forward option. That was the position that, that most people saw him as. It's kind of not just the, the midfield that has been weakened, but potentially a, a little bit further up the pitch as well. I mean, you know, he, he is back on, on the grass. I actually had a, a look last week at, at when... Virgil van Dijk came back on onto the grass after his long-term injury. I think that was around the, the middle of February. Didn't actually start, you know, fully participating in, until pre-season. So it's it's one of those. It, obviously, those two had very different injuries. That they're, they're not the same thing. The timescales won't be the same. But it is. It, it's still going to be some way off. I think a, a proper a return for for Harvey Elliott. But you know, the, the fact that it, it's a positive update is is obviously good. We we hope to see him plenty of times before the end of this season. But I do think you're right that the fact that Liverpool are kind of of waiting and, and desperate for him to to come back does say a lot about the the kind of level of the squad. But for me, I'd look at it the other way as well. Like I say, that the fact that. You know, he is seen as as a possible solution. I think it says a lot about the the quality that he's got to have that sort of ability to to come in and and play as if he's always been in this Liverpool team at the age of eighteen. I think is you know a huge testament to the quality that he's got. So I fully fully accept and understand the reasons why you know Liverpool thought that that he could be a kind of Van Alden replacement in a way of of coming in and and helping do that. But yeah, it's it is maybe a little bit unfair on him to to kind of pin the, the hopes for the rest of the season on his on his shoulders. Yeah, let's move on then. Talk about the game itself then away from Liverpool's midfield issues. I'm sure in our team select we will have to try and pick three each of who will actually play in that midfield for Liverpool. But Gorsty, before we get on to that, let's talk about the game itself. Arsenal heading to Anfield and beaten in 10 in all competitions. Eight wins in that time as well. It's kind of been a routine win for Liverpool in recent years, Arsenal heading to Anfield, but has a bit of a different feel this time around. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, eight wins uh, in a 10-game unbeaten run was what Liverpool went on at the back end of last season to secure Champions League football. So if you look at what, um, you know, kind of how that look, run looks from the inside, it's an impressive one, isn't it? Because at the time, you're looking at, you know, Liverpool really making a late surge to finish third in the Premier League and I think they were 
eighth or ninth after that defeat to Fulham. So really has been some job that Arteta's done over the last, what, six weeks or so, six to eight weeks. Um, certainly since that dreadful start when I think they lost the first three games, didn't they? And were comfortably beaten by Chelsea and, and Manchester City in particular. But, um, yeah, things are looking up for Arsenal. I don't think it's going to be as um, easy as it has been for Liverpool in recent years. Certainly, the last time they played each other in April, was it? Liverpool went to the Emirates and Arsenal didn't get out their own half, really, and Liverpool absolutely battered them and 3-0 flattered Arsenal, to be honest. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive. Um, but I think Ian Clapp referenced it today. He said something along the lines of, we're at, we're at Anfield and we need to, need to let them know that that still means something in Liverpool. For the draws against Brighton and City and Chelsea, they're still unbeaten there in front of their own fans for four and a half years. So it's not. Um, it's going to be probably the most difficult game that Arsenal have had in that 11 games without defeat. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to seeing Smith Rowe up close. I remember seeing him in a pre-season friendly going back four years maybe. He was only 17 and there was loads of kind of talk over him being the next big thing and, and slowly but surely has developed at the Emirates and you know he, he took the number 10 on in the summer didn't he and signed the new contract and seems to uh, have a good head on his shoulders and um, he's an exciting player for the future so I'm looking forward to seeing him and one or two others in this young Arsenal team but um, I still think Liverpool might just have a bit too much for Arsenal tomorrow night The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah, definitely. Theo, what's your take on the game? There might be definitely the biggest test that Arsenal have faced all season. But for Liverpool, for this run of games coming up, certainly in the Premier League, when you consider Arsenal at home, Southampton at home, the Merseyside derby away, Wolves away, and Aston Villa and Newcastle, then both at Anfield ahead of really the start of those festive games with Tottenham, Leicester and Chelsea all to come during kind of that next batch of fixtures. It could be a stern way to get things going for Liverpool, but certainly an opportunity to really now try and put a run of, of form together. Yeah, it could be, but it's one where you play everyone twice a season, don't you? It's just about getting the run of games, getting the momentum. Um, it's a good time to play Arsenal and it's a bad time to play Arsenal because they're going to be full of confidence, but then that's going to have been derailed a little bit by the international break. And it's one where they haven't played anyone that good. So it's like, well, are they getting a bit too cocky? But then at the same time, Liverpool haven't been in the best of form against Brighton, against West Ham. And they're staring at the possibility of if they drop points here and they lose, Arsenal could leapfrog them. And haven't had West Ham do that. That could set in a bad rut. And you're thinking, oh, we're dropping points again. Here we go again. The injuries are taking their toll, as they did with the centre-backs. Because they were fine for a spell last year, for what, November, December. And it was only when they piled up more and more in January that the doubt started to creep in and it did fall apart of Liverpool. Um, the international break has made it feel so much worse. Like we're only talking about two games here where Liverpool have dropped points. Like if they'd drawn with West Ham, while it wouldn't have been ideal, it would still have been they're unbeaten. It wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah, they're not top of the table. Yeah, they're a couple of points off, but they're still having a reasonable season. But now we've had two weeks to are Liverpool looking a bit dodgy against West Ham there? They've been conceding goals where they shouldn't have done. They've had all these injuries. And it's whether they can silence those doubts. And the fact they've got more bodies back in defence, like there's more about them than when it fell apart last year. But they just need to get back on that pitch and prove their credentials. And that seems strange to say of a team that is only a couple of years ago won the Premier League, won the Champions League, and one of the very best sides around. 
but it always seems to sting them that little bit more. Like we talk about whether clubs need transfers compared to like the cities and the Chelsea's, but the agreement is always that Liverpool have the lightest squad and it does come up, cost them when they get these injuries piling up. But they've still got a good enough 11 to get results. It's just getting that rhythm going because you can't rely on Mohamed Salah to bail you out every week. Like sometimes this season, he has been brilliant and they've steamrolled sides and they've been amazing to watch. Other times, they've been a bit more fortuitous to get results and then it started to come on a bit unstuck before the break. Now, you're looking at it, well, Oxford Chamberlain's not at international duty, Thiago's not at international duty, and midfield is going to be so crucial for Liverpool when these are the few players they've got left in it. Hopefully, it's been a good international break for them on the training field and they can recharge the battery somewhat. They might not be able to call on Henderson or Robertson, but you've still got Simicass in the wings. There is enough there to not write Liverpool off completely, but they need to get a win so they can start another good run and go on another club record, unbeaten run, fingers crossed. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. But Matt, one of the guys who's been crucial kind of when, when Arsenal have come to Anfield in recent times has been Roberto Firmino as well. And we've spoken a lot about the midfield, but even kind of issues elsewhere around the team. Yeah, no, I think he'll he'll be a huge loss. I mean, he's obviously a, a huge part of, of the way that Liverpool play, but I think we, we have seen that against Arsenal. I think Arsenal's defenders, obviously Ben White has, has come in and maybe they're, they're slightly different now, but I think certainly in the past, possibly still the, the case at, at this moment in time, they kind of, they do sort of lose concentration a little bit at times. I think, you know, the, the Arsenal defence generally, I think it, it would be fair to sort of point that criticism at them. And I think when you've got someone like Roberto Firmino, who is very obviously good at, at pressing and, and sort of taking advantage of, of those moments, but also can sort of drift away from them and, and come back in, I think, you know, you kind of see that, you know, more and, and more against these these sorts of teams. And I think he will be he will be a huge loss in terms of, of the way that, that Liverpool do play. But, Liverpool have got, you know, all the players that can come in. I think Diogo Jota isn't necessarily as good at, at the pressing or isn't as good at the same things as, as what Firmino does. But, you know, you'd still fancy him maybe to to score a goal inside the six-yard box, for example. You know, there's certain other strengths that, that he's got. So I think as, as long as Sadio Mane is, is fit and, and Jota and, and Salah are alongside him, as we expect them to be, I think... You know that front three is is more than good enough to to cause Arsenal problems, and you know Liverpool's problem this season has not been scoring goals. Obviously, Mohamed Salah has has done that with most regularity, but you know there's other players that that can come in and, and do that. The issue, I think, will be more the midfield. Can Liverpool control it? Can they not leave themselves you know wide open in terms of, of the defence, as we saw against you know, Brentford and, and West Ham? I think. The key for me is is not who's up front in, in this one. It's it's absolutely the midfield. That's why I mentioned, you know, the, the importance of having Jordan Henderson rather than than Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in there. I think that could be could be huge. I think if Liverpool dominate the the ball, control the game and, and don't let Arsenal counterattack them and, and stream forward, I think you know Liverpool have, have got the better quality and they will win. The problem comes when you leave yourself exposed. And I think, you know, to have a, a Thiago Fabinho and, and Henderson midfield. I think you'd really have to fancy Liverpool to, to come out on top in that battle. Yeah, firmly with my professional head on, Corsi, because I shudder <laughs> within to, to say this, but is it time for a statement win at Anfield this season? I mean, the likes of Chelsea and Man City have both come to Anfield. They've been draws. There hasn't there, there have been moments so far through the Anfield season to really get the fans going, but it feels as though this game against a perceived top six side, and I'll get there before you guys all rip me apart, that Arsenal haven't been that over the few last few seasons, but that 
that now really, if, if Liverpool are to be a title contender, it's time to show their credentials in one of these big matchups of actually putting a few on a team. And Arsenal normally have been the side of have fallen to that. Yeah, Arsenal usually quite accommodating, aren't they, for Liverpool? Certainly on the Egan Club, I'm struggling to think of a game off the top of my head where Liverpool haven't scored at least three. Um, and yeah, as you rightly say, it's been a little bit slow this season at Anfield. Um, the Burnley game was good just because that was the first home game with fans since the Atletico Madrid game in what was around about 18 months. Um, Liverpool were quite comfortable against Crystal Palace, but that 3-0 win was one that was kind of just kind of march to it in a weird way. Like, you know, Liverpool have scored three loads of times this season, but it's never really looked like it's been a completely dominant performance. Um, that was certainly one of them. Chelsea defended really well in August, particularly when they went down to 10 men. Um, City, fantastic in that first half. You can't really grumble with that being a draw. But yeah, at some point, Liverpool are going to have to uh, kind of make Jürgen Klopp's statements come true. I mean, he said, didn't he, that we need to let people know that this is Anfield and this season it, it hasn't really been that way <clears throat> um, I don't think they've ever really looked in too much jeopardy in terms of losing that that record at home in front of the crowd if that is an actual record and not just me clinging on to it but the, um, they haven't played incredibly well we, we've seen them on the road sometimes such as Watford and Atletico Madrid and um, Old Trafford Old Trafford, of course, yeah. I'm just thinking about Madrid, actually. Liverpool were very good against that. Let's go. Aram Field, that was a bit more like it. But, yeah, it's, it's a good point. I haven't really thought of that. Um, maybe Arsenal will show up and be nice and willing to take another hammer and we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No, I really hope so. I say through gritted teeth. <laughs> Liverpool, actually, looking at the stats, as you were saying, that haven't failed to score... Uh, under three goals in a Premier League game at home against Arsenal under Jurgen Klopp's tenure. But of course, there was the game that Gorsi made you nearly pack it all in last season, the, the goalless <laughs> effort in the, the Carabao Cup that you, oh. you banished from your memory. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But other than that, yeah, it has been three goals or more in uh, in all of those games. Theo, before we move into the team select, because I want to give it a bit of time, obviously, with what we spoke about at the start, the midfield issue. Is this game then maybe an ideal opportunity, an audition for... Costa Simicast to maybe take on that left back berth. He's looked brilliant all season, but if Robertson is to be out, maybe these are such moments where he can seize the opportunity full time. Um, full time is probably a bit of a stretch at the moment. Like Robertson's not been in his best moment so far this season, but I don't think we're there yet. Where you're talking about uh, Andy Robertson losing the place for the foreseeable, it's just going to be a case of balancing them going forward. Like we've had games this season where Simicast has come in, Robertson sat out, and Simicast has played better, but it's not been enough to keep him uh, in the side. He's coming in, he's looking more dangerous offensively. He's coming to terms with it defensively. He's looking very exciting or as exciting as you can be for a, a fullback. Um, it's a good chance for him. Like, it's one where with Andy Robertson, you don't want to take risks with him. They've got so many injuries already. And from when they're not in team training yet, I know Jurgen Klopp said it's going to be a, a late call on whether they can play or not, but you don't want to just put them in for the sake of it risk them getting another one and then you're just without these players for a longer term that's what Simicast brings at the moment like the fact that you can sit here and comfortably say no Andy Robertson it's not the end of the world you could put Costa Simicast in and you don't have any real doubts about that position there 
that's a testament to him because it would have only been a year ago when we thought that Liverpool had signed a, someone who wasn't going to cut it and that would be sold after a year, 18 months, or just be farmed out on loan. And the fact that he's managed to settle, force his way into the reckoning, that we have these conversations shows that I suppose that the people behind the scenes at Anfield know what they're doing, the scouting team, like they found another good one. Um, it need to do it more consistently for me to be able to say, oh, yes, he can take Andy Robertson's place long-term. But he's got time on his side. He's still relatively young in terms of, of a fullback, And we know they're going to need to balance between the two. They'd have split between the two more last year for, Ampton, for the fact that they had so many injuries elsewhere. Klopp said that himself. But now we're going into this festive period where you're going to have a League Cup quarter-final. You're going to have an FA Cup third round. You've got two Champions League dead rubbers and then all Premier League games in quick succession when you're playing every three, four days. Uh, it's going to be rotating between the two. And the bigger concern is when Robertson finds his form again, not whether Simicass is able to stake another claim. So I think Simicass has gone beyond expectations already this season. Um, I'd start him tomorrow. I've got no doubts he'd do a decent job. He can put some good crosses in the box. He can get forward and cause a threat. But the thought in the back of my mind is, when are we going to see the best from Andy Robertson again? He's not having a bad season, but we've seen so much better from him. But then it's the same for Liverpool, isn't it? They're not having a bad season, but we've seen more from them. We've seen them play so much better in the past. Um, you got a couple of highlights like United, like Watford, like Atletico Madrid. You just need them to explode into life. And I'm sure when Andy Robertson is back to his best, that's when Liverpool will be firing on all cylinders as well. Yeah, start Simicast and still get to see Scotland's best left back at Anfield, eh? We'll have to. Wait He's not first choice for Arsenal, is he? You got, um, was it Nuno Tavares or whoever it is? Tierney's right down the pecking order, isn't he, at the Emirates these days? Knew I'd get a bite there. Knew I'd get a bite. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Team selector time, though, guys. Let's get into it. Uh, in goal, Alison Becker. Matt, do you want to take us on the on the defence? What are you expecting? Yeah, I think you you've got to go as strong as as possible. So I think you know, obviously, it kind of picks itself. That being the case, I think Simicass will be there in complete agreement with with Theo. I've no sort of worries or, or concerns about that. I know I spoke to a, a couple of Arsenal fans earlier today, and they kind of asked me, you know. Do you not think that if Simicast plays, that's that's something that that Arsenal can target and you know give the ball to, to Saka as much as possible? And you know I just don't think that the perception is right at all. If if that is the case, I think you know you'd have more more sort of confidence with with him. I think there was a genuine conversation of should he come in even before the, the little injury to, to Robertson. So yeah, I, I'd be more than than happy. It will be his, his biggest test, but I think you know. You've got to give him that test and, and give him that opportunity at some point. And I think, you know, he absolutely deserves that. So, yeah, Simicast at left back. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk will play. For me, Joel Matip has to, to play alongside him. I think he's, you know, had the, maybe not the, the best last couple of, of weeks, but before that was was absolutely immense this season. And obviously, Trent will, will play at right back. So, I think for me, it's the back four or five with Alisson is, is fairly straightforward. In full agreement with that, guys? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think with Simakash, this is the exact reason he was brought in. So Robertson isn't demanded every minute of every game, and there have been a few, you know, shaky performances this season. Thinking of Brentford away, um, the the last game against West Ham, you know, he wasn't on his best there either. So Simakash hasn't really put a foot wrong. So if Robertson isn't quite one hundred percent, then no issue at all starting Simakash and. Putting them in there alongside the, the you know, the other four who Matt mentioned, Allison, Trent, 
Matip and uh, Van Dijk. Well, Gorsi, you, you mentioned that's time kind of when Liverpool can call upon Simicast. That's why he's he's there. I suppose why you're our Liverpool correspondent is so you can work through the minefield of what Jurgen Klopp's midfield should be against Arsenal. I mean, which options does he have? Is it pure necessity, or what do you think he'll be he'll be doing? Well, yeah, I mean, it's in one one way it's a really difficult one, in another way it's a really easy decision, isn't it? Because he's got. What's he, he's only got three midfielders, hasn't he? Um, Thiago, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Fabinho, who um, there is no suggestion of an injury, but he didn't train this week because, as we, as we mentioned, he flew back from Brazil on a private jet with um, the other Brazilian internationals in the Premier League. I think he'll train this evening, probably as we're recording now, actually, they're in training. Um, just a question over Henderson, isn't it? But if he's not 100%, then... You're going to have to go with Thiago and Oxlade-Chamberlain. But I think Thiago, Fabinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain actually isn't a bad blend, really. I think that's a, possibly a little bit of everything. Um, and Oxlade-Chamberlain, probably the Liverpool midfielder with an eye for a goal, isn't he more than most? So it's not the end of the world if, if that is the makeup of the, the three tomorrow. And the old thing of coming back to it. To haunt a former club as well. So, if there's any game to drop him in for, probably is at home to his former employers. Theo, do you go along with that, or would you do whatever you can to get Jordan Henderson out there? Um, it depends how fit he is, what the injury was, and how long you're risking him being out. Because he's a player who does pick up his injuries every so often. Um, because of the injuries elsewhere in midfield, he was playing every game before the international break. So, I suppose it's not a surprise that he has picked up something at the end of it. And when they're so doubt, limited on bodies, you don't want to risk him unless you're sure you can get through 90 minutes with no risk at all of picking up any setbacks. So as Scorsi said, there's not really any other options. Like the alternative would be if you're reluctantly putting Trent in midfield. And now Nico Williams has had a great international break and he can stake a claim at right back. But we know Jurgen Klopp doesn't see him as a midfielder. When uh, Gareth Southgate played him there, I think in September, he said, nah, "Don't. why would you put him there? He's the best right back in the world. I'd maybe understand it if he was a number six. So talking, well, if Fabinho's not ready, maybe Arsenal's not the game to try that out, isn't it? If you want to try Trent in midfield, just have that option. You do that against Porto and AC Milan in the Champions League when you know there's nothing at stake just to see if the experiment works. Um, So it's going to have to be those three, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Thiago and Fabinho, unless Henderson can come through this fitness test with flying colours. But even there's a concern in that midfield because Oxlade-Chamberlain and Thiago, they haven't looked as comfortable on the right-hand side always looked a bit better on the left so getting that balance in there it's going to be tough for Jürgen Klopp but at this stage it's need must can't imagine he's going to be throwing in Tyler Morton it's going to be the tri- well not the tried and trusted it's going to be the experienced ones because he's got a few other options yeah no definitely Matt what's your take on the, the midfield for the Arsenal game I think having Henderson back it'd, it'd be massive I think uh, th- there's games obviously you know the, the two Champions League ones that Henderson can sit out and I think Obviously, you know, Liverpool have got all of, of the information in terms of the medical stuff of, you know, can Henderson play or not? But I think if he, if he is, you know, ready to play, even if he was ready to play an hour, I'd be getting getting him on the, on the pitch really for, for that period of time. I think I'd be more comfortable Henderson playing the, the first 60 and then Chamberlain coming on rather than the other way around if possible. But, you know, it's just the way it is at the moment. I think it, it's going to more than anything come down to who's fit enough to do that. If Henderson's fit enough, he'll play. If he's not, he won't. It's as simple as that, really. 
Don't smack me down on this one. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, though, Gorst. If there was ever any time to try Trent in midfield, and I'm not saying Arsenal's the game, but, I mean, maybe this batch of fixtures, whilst there is a shortage of midfield players, may well be it, especially when you factor in the form that Nico Williams is in. He was brilliant for Wales during the international break, and albeit has even played a bit further advanced for Liverpool at Preston earlier this season in the League Cup and Jurgen Klopp was asked about him in the press conference I just wonder if his form would kind of actually make Liverpool think we have someone there we could put in at at right wing back right full back against a lesser opposition maybe and Trent could go into that that six role Yeah you put forward a a decent enough case for that there guy but I just don't see why you'd meddle with what saved Liverpool so well for Four years now with, with Trent being at right back. I just think um, the way he plays, the way Liverpool play, that whole system is just geared to get the most out of him as an attacking force. So meddling with it is risky. Um, you know, if it, if it doesn't come off, if it doesn't quite work, you're going to get pelters, aren't you? Klopp's going, going to get more on that. Alexander Arnold's going to come under fire, and so will Nico Williams, really. Um, he seems to be a little bit of a lightning rod for, for criticism, which I think is a bit unfair considering he barely plays and he hasn't really done too much. Um, but I think if there's a opportunity to maybe give Nico Williams a little bit of a run further up the field, I think then that Leicester game is, is nailed on for in, in the Carabao Cup with Connor Bradley probably a right back or maybe even James Milner had a push. Um, but I don't don't see Alexander Arnold playing in midfield for Liverpool. Certainly, while Klopp is, is the manager, it's just too important to an area of, of the pitch for Liverpool to get Joey out down that right side, along with Salah and, and whoever's playing on the right side of that midfield three. I would say it's potentially a mistake they made last season, wasn't it, when they had the injuries, and rather than turning to a Reese Williams or a Nat Phillips at first, it was putting the midfielders there. So you yeah. know you had that weakness at centre back. But you made your midfield weak to cover it, and it was um, these round or square pegs and round holes, and it didn't quite work. It made the spine weaker as a whole, and Liverpool looked a lot better when they had these lesser names who were actually centre backs at centre back, and the centre midfielders were in their strongest positions. Um, so you'd like to think that having learnt from that mistake and them getting top four by turning on its head and having players in their preferred positions, that would be something where they'd stick with it now and say, right, Trent's right. Uh, back, that's his strongest position, that's where we want him at his best, and we're just going to have to make two in midfield. Um, one alternative we're not mentioned is a formation change. They could do 4-2-3-1 with Origi leading the line or Minamino as number 10. They're not the biggest names, they're not the Liverpool's most dangerous players, but they're going to get minutes in the cup, um, when the Cup of Nations is on in the weeks ahead. It, we've seen Liverpool do 4-2-3-1 against Arsenal before, I think, or they've certainly done it in some games. It, they might have to now if they don't want to have this uh, midfield options, and I'm sure you're about to ask me who will be my three or four in attack guy. Yeah, yeah. So front three, <laughs> pretty routine pick, is it? Yeah, it's like we said in midfield, isn't it? You just stick with what you've got, and there's only Diogo Jota, Jota, uh, yeah, yeah. Mohamed yeah. Salah, and Sadio Mane. But as I just touched on, you could do Minamino as a number ten if you want to do four two three one. Origi did look good. Um, against West Ham when he came on. No, he got a dead leg, I think, on international duty, but he's trained. Out two, you'd say Rigi perhaps looks more fitting, but then it would be a bit awkward where who do you put as the number 10 when you've got Jota, you've got Salah and you've got Mane, so it might be 
more beneficial having Minamino as number 10. That's just an alternative. I still think it'll be 4-3-3 with the only three of the four floors that are available starting. Yeah, I was going to say, start carving up our midfield, Theo. That would be brilliant right at the end of the, the podcast. But everyone else in agreement that that, that is the front three for Liverpool? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, seeing a bit of Belgium against Wales the other night and it really looked quite sharp at times. Um, obviously coming off the back of that superb goal against West Ham. But I, I just think Origi's a man for, for, for moments, isn't he? He's not a... He doesn't really give you 90 minutes of performance. He'll give you 10, 15, and he might pop up with that kind of goal he scored against West Ham. Uh, I'd be wary of starting him. So I'll go with Jota, Salah and, uh, and Mane. I think that just sums up the, the problem, doesn't it? I mean, uh, there's been times this season where you've looked at Minamino and been impressed with him in little bits, or Origi's done okay against Milan, but yeah, it, it's not really it's not really a genuine conversation, is it? It's not like a, a Simicast Robertson Ed Jota is, is just miles ahead of, of the other two. And that that's the big issue, isn't it? It's three from three. and I can't really see it being anything else. Yeah, since Arsenal's tonking at Man City, they have been the immovable object. Liverpool, the irresistible force prediction times. Then, Gorsty, start with you. You're going to tell me Liverpool score three and Arsenal get how many? The <laughs> <laughs> um, one, maybe. I, I do think Liverpool will score three, actually. Um, team two. Most weeks, don't they? It was Preston and Atletico were the only team, two teams, uh, Brighton as well. And obviously the, the West Ham game aside, it was just a miserable afternoon for Liverpool. Generally, um, if Liverpool win, they score three. So um, I think they might do it again tomorrow. Brilliant. Matt, yourself? Yep, 3-1. Um, I went for 3-1 on our uh, Behind Enemy Lines podcast, so I'm not going to change my mind, I think. As, as we said before, Liverpool have, have got form scoring goals. I think Mohamed Salah's not scored for, for a couple of games, has he? So probably due one or two. Yeah, I think Liverpool win. And Theo? Salah likes scoring against Arsenal, so go along with Matt them getting back to scoring ways. I think Sadio Mane does as well. You know, Jota scored, was it two against them at the Emirates last year? But I'm going to go 3-2, just because the midfield's still going to look weak. Um, Defence has been a bit shaky at times. But he got back Liverpool. So 3-2 Liverpool. There's always goals in this game, apart from that League Cup draw you mentioned earlier. Uh, let's stick with that. Yeah, year before in the, in the League Cup, it was 5-5, wasn't it? Well, before the uh, tear struck streaming down my face, then let's wrap it up here on Blood Red. Those are predictions. Do make sure to check out the link in the description to the Blood Red live event that is taking place in Dublin on the 24th of November. Gorsty will be over there ahead of the Porto game to then watch it with those who decide to join him in Dublin for a pint. Go to bloodred.ie for tickets, just €10 Euros each. They are going quickly, so do get in there. But that's it from us for this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. From myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Theo Squires and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.